And now, Wolf Bites Open Mic. The Bass Jackers. I just came home actually from tour. Hey guys, this is Phoenix Paul. Hey, what's up? This is Sean Frank. Wolf Bites DJs and your favorite artists. Sophie Francis. Sophie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, super nice to join you guys. What's up, guys? This is Ahmed Van Buren. Now, Open Mic. Welcome to Open Mic. It's BJ here, and you know her from a gazillion songs. Multi-platinum recording artist Vassie is joining us on Open Mic. Vassie, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. So you are from Darwin, Northern Territory, Australia. So I have a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind. Kakadu or Litchfield? Litchfield. I see. Now, I have been to Litchfield. I've never been to Kakadu, and I loved it. I, I was there for, uh, I ended up sitting under waterfalls, and, what, and the, the worst part about it was the flies, but it was just amazing, everything else. So, beautiful area. Uh, and then DJ What the Heck was supposed to be here also today, and he wanted to know your favorite flavor of Tim Tam. Oh, just the original. The original. Cool. The original's good. And have you done a Tim Tam suck? When you bite one yeah. end of the Tim Tam and you suck it through hot hot tea through it so it melts and it goes everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, you, you dip it in coffee or tea. That's awesome. And and it just melts and it's such a good flavor. So, so oh, the best. Thanks for uh, reminding me now that I'm trying to be good and now I've got that at the back of my mind. <laughs> you know you can get them at Target in the, in the States now. It's, it's, it's oh, no, don't tell me where to, yeah, don't tell me where to get them from. <laughs> then, uh, well, over. Do you have thoughts on Vegemite since you've been in the States now and you're, but you're from Australia? Oh, yeah, of course. I love Vegemite. I have it um, in my cupboard. Yeah, so you have some locally. <laughs> so, so where are you now? So you're from Australia, but where are you like, today? Well, today I'm in New York. Um, I was, I came out here to shoot my video, my music video, and, um, I'm in New York, and then I go to Miami this week for the conference, the music, uh, winter conference that's happening. Right, right. Now, Ultra. Are you shooting for concrete, are you shooting for your new song right now? Yeah, so my new single just dropped, and, um, but we shot the music video for it in New York. Very nice. And the new single, Concrete Heart, that dropped on your birthday, right? Um, no. My birthday was in February. For some reason, everyone thinks it's in March, but I think that's because Wikipedia mixed up the month, but that's all right. Exactly. Um, so I've been, getting, I've been getting happy birthday since February, which has been pretty awesome. Well, I was going to give you another one, uh, another belated happy oh, birthday. Thank you. Yeah, so belated, belated happy birthday then. So... On your website, though, it talks about you not having a plan B. How did plan A come about? Um, it was just there. It, it really, I don't even think it developed. It was, um, you know, I mean, it, it organically found its way, but it was like a calling. I mean, really, it's one of these things. I, I think you're either born with it or you're not. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's something that, I can't relate to something that people just find later in life. I really feel like you're born with with a whatever it is, with that what that it is. So mine was that, and then of course my, my plan A literally means just you know pursuing your dreams. I mean, there's no real plan A. You've just got to kind of make it as it as it happens. But the the, the philosophy behind that is really just sticking to your guns despite the rejections, despite all the obstacles, 
not knowing how to get there and just going for it. Plan B is really uh, second-guessing yourself and you're ultimately already compromising um, your plan A. So that's why you don't have one. But some people do and there's nothing wrong with that either. So how early in life did you know you wanted to be a singer? I knew from... Mum said I used to play with cassette tapes and stuff, cassette tapes. And, um, you know, I'd get this little mega thing with the microphone and um, I was young and I remember that, like I'd sing into the hairbrush and stuff. I think later, I, I, at around seven years old, I knew I wanted to do it because I was kicked out of school choir and I was told I didn't have what it took and um, humiliated in front of the entire choir class by my teacher and I was really hurt by that, but it was something... Um, there was something inside of me that just knew instinctively that I was meant to be an artist because I couldn't follow the, the teacher. I couldn't follow the choir. So I was already making up my own melodies and my own rhythms. And I, and so from that age, I knew. And then I came out at 15 to say I wanted to do it. Of course, my father wouldn't let me. So I started later. Like, I actually went and got a degree because I promised my dad and but, you know, again, I tried to suppress it. It just wouldn't go away. And um, it was always there, really. So what was the degree going to be in? Well, I, got, uh, I studied architecture, uh, a Bachelor of Design. And do you ever want to go back to the choir? And to the, the, no. No, you don't want to go back there and say, I, I made it, here I am. Well, they, well, she knows. I got an apology from school later because um, <laughs> my career started in Australia, and you know I had a really big song on radio when I before I left for America, and um, I think they they were fully aware then that you know because I would mention it obviously so it was all over the press, and so people would be like, oh, <laughs> I never called out a name or anything like that, but. So, so talk about that. You won the Triple J, which is a national Australian radio station. You won their Song of the Year. How did that come about? And then how did you find out that you won? So um, that was a bit of a fluke. Uh, I was, after my dad died, I was pretty depressed. And um, a buddy of mine knew I really wanted to do music. And um, I had run, run these like hip-hop workshops these detention centers up in Darwin in the rural communities. And so he, I recorded this first song of mine ever that I'd ever written, ever recorded at a uni, which is a university in Darwin. And um, my buddy just submitted it. I didn't know. So uh, I got a phone call one day and I thought it was my brother-in-law that was uh, playing around with me. And it was on national radio. So he calls and said, oh, you know, we, you won. You know, and uh, I just started laughing because I, I thought it was Evan, and I was <laughs> like, and I dropped the f, I dropped the f bomb on national radio, so I was like, you know, stop, stop messing with me, you know. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, the presenter Robbie Buck, who's like a huge morning breakfast presenter for Triple J, was like, Cassie, are you near radio by chance? I'm like, no. And well, could you could you go near one for us, Cassie? <laughs> and I did, and then I heard the feedback, and then I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> So that that was funny, and that still became the bike for the for the interview. They just kept playing it, but that was beat about the F word. So yeah, that's how that happened. And they flew me out to Melbourne. They paid for the production, and I got a record deal with Universal. It was really a great catalyst. It was really what I needed at that time to to get going in the business. And of course, that could be a great drop too for a song. Just off, <laughs> beat that every time. But you had mentioned in there too that you worked, you hosted hip hop workshops in detention centers. That must have been an incredible experience. 
yes, it was. I had um, I was only like I was young, and there was nothing up there in the Northern Territory, and so I got these grants um, from the government, and it was like a few thousand dollars, and I basically would fly up like a DJ, and we would like run these hip hop workshops, and I would host it, and I used my music as a way to connect in you know, a lot of the community, you know, they're Indigenous Australian, and I don't I don't even know. Don't ask me. It's, it's not like I'm a hip hop artist or I knew. But I just had this ability to really connect people and inspire them and empower them and not talk down to them and just really find a way to connect with them using, you know, my passions and all the obstacles that I've had to deal with. So they were um, they were really successful. And then the government um, actually wanted me to go to into the detention centres as well. So I went into the prisons to run them. From there, I actually got flown out to communities and... So I ended up doing quite a little bit of philanthropy work like that, which now I've lost touch of a little bit, to be entirely honest with you, because as you get busier in your career, I mean, I always do philanthropy work, but I hate saying that if I'm not really doing it. Like, yeah, okay, being an ambassador, you know, for equal rights and for this and doing that and that is great, but, I mean, competitive stuff I used to do back then, like really going out into the field, I was legitimately, you know, really making a difference, but... um. I mean, every day people hit me up and they're like, oh, your song helped me with something like that. It really, like, makes me feel like, okay, thank God I'm doing something that's helping people, not just completely being self-absorbed and making music because that's what makes me happy. Um, it is nice to know that, okay, wow, I have inspired someone across the world now through my Instagram or whatever. So that's why my fans are really important. I try to acknowledge them, you know, as much as I can because it's just, you know, everyday people like us that, I mean, just, you just never know that when that person can make a difference. You know how there was like one person sometime in your life or just did that one thing and it stuck and it just stayed with you, it resonated with you and you just ha- hold on to it for the rest of your life to get through stuff? Exactly. Exactly. No, I know exactly. And yeah. in fact, in that, that's one of the things I want to talk with you about too because you're still doing work. You're working with the No Hate campaign too, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, I do a lot of stuff. I mean, I, you know, I go and volunteer for things. I'm very selective. A lot of... Um, Nonprofit organizations reach out and they want you to do things. But I do my homework because, you know, nonprofits can, can be a bit dodgy. So I'm always down to support. Like recently I did something for um, over a thousand girls and I went in and performed for them and, um, you know, to, to empowering them. It was a, um, it was really about empowering young women and a lot of them come from foster homes and things like that. So that was fun. Uh, and yeah, I'm a huge representative for No Hair. Actually, so Concrete Heart is a song about love, and it's a song about um, it's something we can all relate to. We all hate being vulnerable and getting hurt, right? But um, take that and apply it across many things in life. Getting hurt not just in your own relationship, but just getting hurt, you know, in terms of, like, just wanting to be yourself, whether it's being transgender or gay or bi or just being weird-looking or just, you know, all these things or hurt, being hurt from the people that that are meant to love you. So there's a lot of vulnerabilities in love, and I think it, like, makes us very complex. So Concrete Heart, the storyline in it, it's really cute, and I didn't want to make it gender-specific, and that's why you'll see when we put the video out, which I can't wait to share with you. Um, It's not gender-specific, and it's really cute, but it's it's to represent, you know, that love exists amongst all of us, and um, it's one love, obviously. And at the end of the video, we came, we all congregated with the dancers and stuff. We did it at the, the love symbol here in New York with, um, to represent basically like 
you know that um, I don't. We don't discriminate. That everyone has um, uh, everyone has the right to love, and everyone has the right to make their decisions in life, and no one has the right to take that away from them. So I am a huge, you know, ambassador for that. I, I, I do advocate for it. I just don't think anyone has that right, you know, to take away from anyone. So. I would say your work off away from music is 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 as successful as your work at, at doing the songs. Uh, what you, you some of the things you've been describing are just amazing. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the Concrete Heart video. We started airing the song last week, and it's doing really well here too. So, by all means, I know you say you're being selective, but keep it up because it, that's some great stuff you're talking oh, about. It, and, that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, and the other thing too. I think it's fair to say that you are the, I mean, collaboration is becoming more and more common in EDM, and you are the queen of it. Um, I, I think that's definitely fair to say, because what, David Guetta, Showtech, Tiesto, Kashmir, Afrojack, Sultan Shepard, I'm probably forgetting others, these are not small artists that you're collaborating with, and these songs that have come about have been huge. How did, like, Bad went seven times double platinum? How did that come about? Did you just bump into each other, or did you guys reach out, or how did that go about? So good to be bad. Yeah, so um, it has been great, and I think that's probably why now, you know, I'm really focused on just working on my own records, but um, only because I, just, you know, I just want to kind of zone in a little bit and and, focus and concentrate on my sound and what it is I'm trying to do as an artist, but. Those collabs were fantastic. I mean, my my collabor- collaboration with David Guetta was um, a bit of a fluke, to be honest. It wasn't like I reached out to him. It, it was my song for me, and it got heard by an A&R from Atlantic. And the only reason it got heard is because he was coming to the studio to listen to something else for Flowrider that you guys were working on, and they happened to be just messing around with the production on mine, and then he heard that and fell in love with it. And, you know, so then it just kind of took a life of its own. It wasn't even finished. No one even heard it finished. I mean, I have the finished version, obviously. But, and the pitch voice thing, that was us. We did that in the studio. I mean, that wasn't even better. None of that was intentional. It was just us mucking around in the studio. But, yeah, it, um, it was huge, you know. And originally when Getter, I met Getter at Atlantic, he was so excited. But he obviously already had the record, you know. So he had a couple of days to work on it. And they played me a version of it, and I was like, oh, wow. And it wasn't like the one it is now. It had Will I Am on it from Black Eyed Peas. It was super commercial pop, U.S. radio. And I was going nuts because I was like, you know, thinking, <laughs> yay, you know. And then it all changed, and it just was this huge EDM thing with show taken I was like, what? But it ended up being massive, huge in the festivals. And it was, oh, my God, like my biggest record. I get books for things. And literally, I just can play that song on repeat for the entire hour, and the crowd is happy. I mean, people just love that record. So I'm very, I'm very blessed for that. <laughs> Little did I know, you know, when writing it. But yeah, it was cool. So that did really well, man. I mean, over a billion streams, and God, seven times uh, multi-platinum. And, and then a year later, I had a number one with Tiesto. Yes. And Tiesto, the, the record with the Tiesto was really big. I mean, it was big. It was big in a way like I, I wouldn't say bigger or which one was bigger, but it was equally as big, even though it went six times platinum. It was number one in over thirty countries, but I think it was the reason why it felt as big as well because 
for me, at the time, I got to perform it everywhere with Tiesto at Ultra, at Tomorrowland. Um, you know, we had really amazing remixes by amazing DJs like Don Diablo, Diplo. And it was just a monster of a record. So those two records back-to-back, I mean, with the biggest DJs of the world, it was just, you know, and of course, Cashmere, you know, with that. But I just really got to perform it with Tiesto everywhere around the world. It was so much fun. So and um, I'm still I'm going to perform it next month with him in Macau, actually. So, when you started, did you think when you're standing at one of these fiestas, did you ever have in your wildest dreams think this is going to happen? And now you're standing here. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it, it, it's just I know. Sometime I mean, on a much smaller scale here, like we're getting ready, our radio station is getting ready to move frequencies, and it started as music on hold, and now it's going to have a full-fledged FM signal, and it's just as amazing to think about. And that's obviously on a different scale, but it's just it, to get that far, it's really exciting. And, and you had said too that your collaboration with David Guetta was kind of a fluke. Does it happen more like that, or is are more of these planned? Um, no, no, the collaborations aren't always planned. Um, ultimately what happens from them is conversations start. So, you know, you go back and forth, oh, we've got to work on a record. Yeah, we've got to work on a record. Oh, man, we've got to work. And then you might have something like my record, Afrojack, that I put out, you know, number one um, last year, the beginning of the year. It was really good. And that one I just, Afrojack and I were talking about doing a record, but we already had like a relationship there and, when I was in Amsterdam, we just got in the studio. Yeah, that's how that happens. So I think naturally, obviously, once you've had success too, people are reaching out to you. But it's about finding the right record with that person. And um, collaborations are really great. Look, a lot of people doing it. It's, it's, it's cross-pollinating fan bases, and obviously, you know, um, doing a collab with someone like that. You know, they've been around in the business for like two decades. You know, they've got millions of fans following them. They get they get to play. The cool thing about DJs is I can play every weekend around the world, everywhere, to thousands of people all over the all over the globe. So instantly they can play everyone's music and um, and just getting a, a really deep uh, access to a lot of people. So it's a great they're, they're great partnerships, I think, for artists. Um, but you know you got to pace it out. I mean, some people like to do a lot of them. I, I had my window there; it was cool. And then I just kind of was like, whoa, I don't want to be that chick, you know, that's on like a zillion record. So I had to sort of design it down and as much as I wanted to do collabs, just kind of take it easy there for a minute and be like, okay, cool, let me just, let me just do me for a minute. Let me figure out what I'm trying to do, you know, because as much as, as much as, you know, you still write your own stuff and it's your thing, um, a, a lot of things are not in your control. So the sound might not be how you might want it, but you've got to compromise because it's collective. And everyone's going to be happy. So. If I could love you with a concrete heart, I'd never break and never drop my guard. I would shut down these fears, keep out these tears, never forward. If I could love you with a concrete heart. So, Concrete Heart is out. And the uh, when does the video drop? Yeah, so um, the video is going to come out next month. I'm so excited. Um, and Concrete has just been out for a week. It's been doing really well. I'm so honestly, I was a little bit nervous about it, and I thought, oh my god, are my fans going to like it? What you know? Everyone knows me for these huge, you know, EDM anthems. Are they going to like 
hate me for not being so EDM. I'm sort of transitioning now into a pop leaning, you know, soft dance um, genre. And it's so great and uh, so grateful for that. So it's really like everyday support I'm getting, you know, on radio and people playing it on dance or at Top 40, like college stations, adding it to playlists. So I'm like, okay, shit, all right, I did something okay. Like, <laughs> I gotta keep going. So it just, it definitely inspires me to, you know, to want to keep going, that's for sure. Well, we definitely love the song, and we've loved all your songs. Multi-platinum songs, one after the other. It's been great. Vassy, thanks so much for joining us here today on Open Mic. Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs>